episode of What's on Your Mind's Rack Time. We've got two issues that we're going to be covering today, G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, number 273, and G.I. Joe, number 7. Bit of a double bill here. Things have been very busy lately, so I had to double up and make sure that I could get one good episode out rather than try and rush through and put out two bad ones. I'll start off with G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, number 273. It is part 8 of Snake Hunt by Larry Hama and Robert Atkins. We start off with the action of the paratrooper team of Wetsuit, Ripcord, Freefall, Lady J, Airborne, Torpedo, and Muskrat landing on the roof of the community center. This action has been noticed by Vipers and Hiss Tanks that have been providing security outside. This action has also been noticed by the October Guard and Crystal Ball, who have decided to aid the Joes and disable the troops quickly and quietly before they can attack. This action has gone noticed by the Joes. On the detention level, Cobra troops have discovered that Throwdown has taken Cobra Commander and Dr. Mindbender hostage. They are beginning rescue efforts, but Throwdown is able to easily repel anything that they throw at him. At Springfield Hospital, Scarlet and the Arashikage Ninjas are fighting their way through to try and get down to Throwdown. Outside Springfield, the Joe Convoy is about to come up on police barricades that Cobra has set up. Hawk is about to give the order for the Joes to fight their way through when the Dreadnoughts and the Thunder Machine come and blast a hole for them. The Joes follow the Dreadnoughts through and also meet up with Destro's Iron Grenadiers. So basically you have a meeting of the three forces of the Joes, the Iron Grenadiers, and the Dreadnoughts all linking up at this point just outside Springfield and charging into town. Back on the detention level, Throwdown continues to fight his way through a gauntlet of various Cobra Troopers while shooting Dr. Mindbender and Cobra Commander in the kneecap to keep them from escaping or distracting him. Laura 343 comes upon the wounded commander and Dr. Mindbender and receives new orders to kill Throwdown from Cobra Commander. The commander has abandoned his plan to use Throwdown as a weapon. He just wants him out. While this is happening, the Joe Paratrooper team has made their way down through the community center, and they're about to blast their way into the detention level, just as the Cobra Troopers outside are trying to blast their way into where Throwdown is. And the October Guard is about to take a stand against Cobra reinforcements that are arriving at the community center. That is the action for G.I. Joe, uh, Real American Hero 273. Next month, we are coming up on Part 9. Only two parts are left in Snake Hunt. So we need to see how this is all going to play out. Next up, we have G.I. Joe number 7 by Paul Aller and Chris Avonhouse. This issue is told in flashback to five years ago. The focus is on Scarlet, who has come home to Atlanta from tours of duty overseas, and she's struggling with PTSD. She's having flashbacks and her flashbacks are shown by a photo-negative effect that Chris and the colorist Brittany Peer have put together. They kind of create like a photo-negative effect where the colors invert, and you see her basically, she's reacting to being attacked. They're recurring especially in an alley with a dumpster, which is where she throws out her trash. And very often, she'll throw the trash in, and the sound of the trash hitting the bottom of the dumpster will trigger an episode, and she'll think that there was an IED in the dumpster. Just as she's doing this one day, she's receiving a visit from a friend who heard that she was having a hard time readjusting, and that friend is Duke. But she wasn't expecting Duke, and in the midst of the flashback that she's having over the the dumpster, she translates that Duke could be an attack, could be an ambush. And she imagines that she's pulling a gun. And then when she snaps back to reality and realizes it's Duke, she looks at her hands and she's shocked to find that her hands are empty. She didn't have the gun. Duke and Scarlet go inside her apartment and talk. Duke wants Scarlet to consider therapy. He's concerned about her well-being. 
and you, we start to see the bond that Duke and Scarlet have created. They obviously serve together in the field. They're very close friends. They're comrades in arms. But there's none of the romantic complications that the cartoon would have led you to believe that they had. And, you know, it was just never there in the original Marvel series to begin with. But Duke and Scarlet are as close as close can be. Duke is able to convince her to seek therapy, but as a precaution, he does take the ammo out of her gun before he goes, because he is still worried about her well-being. So next we'll see Scarlet in therapy, and she is part of a group that is led by Kenneth Rich, who longtime Joe fans will remember is Psychout, the PsyOps expert for G.I. Joe. There's a vet in the group named Roger, and he's talking about how he's overwhelmed by the choices of soda in the grocery store. And Scarlet's not terribly sympathetic. Roger explains that there's much more choice back home than there ever was in the field, and he's bothered by the fact that he and others were fighting and dying while people back home thought it was, you know, it would be a terrible thing on, all right, what soda do I have to buy? Oh, there's so many. That's his particular focus on readjustment. He's, he's almost paralyzed by the, the freedom of choice he has, rather than just being issued something, hey, this is what we have at the PX, it's Pepsi today. He also mentions a particular soda called Paoli Raspberry Vanilla Cola. If you remember correctly, Paoli is the last name of Tomax and Zamot from Mike Costa's Cobra series. He mentions at one point that it kind of tastes like chemicals, but if you think about it, all sodas taste like chemicals these days. So you're wondering with the name Paoli, a chemical control agent that Cobra has been using on Americans this whole time, some kind of insidious plot, or are they just getting rich and filling Cobra's coffers thanks to America's addiction to sugary beverages? Scarlet's therapy includes recording her story to listen to later. And we get a reveal of an incident that that she had while in the field where she may have uh, mistakenly killed a family because they didn't follow orders to stop. They were in a vehicle. They were driving along, you know, at a checkpoint. The father was distracted in the back by the kids, you know, doing whatever. And he didn't stop right away. And under their, their, their operating procedures... That could be interpreted as possibly an attack. So the the Scarlet and her and her troops had to take action, and unfortunately, it turned out to be a family, and not a group of enemy soldiers. And she's having more flashbacks. She's seeing danger in everyday surroundings. There's an incident where she's having a flashback in the grocery store. She's imagining that someone is rolling a grocery cart full of explosives at her. And we get pictures of her sleeping with her flak vest, rather than using, like, the sheets on her bed. The flak vest was needed, I'm sure, in the field. She probably used that as a blanket in the field. And it provided that safety and security that she wouldn't normally have. And she's still continuing to use the flak jacket. It's, it's her tie to this life that she knew, and she feels she's losing her identity as a soldier if she gets rid of that. And there's also the fact that for people under stress, a, that flak vest is, is it's weighted. It can create pressure on your body, very similar to what people use weighted blankets for. Weighted blankets are very often used as a therapeutic tool because that pressure on your body can be very soothing to people who are under stress. We come upon a scene of Duke and Scarlet talking in a diner. Duke is busy in Transcarpathia with the beginnings of what we learn is the Cobra Uprisings. And Scarlet throws out the comment that, gee, who would believe that a company named after a venomous reptile would turn out to be evil? She tells Duke that she doesn't want to lose her identity as a soldier. 
And that's why she's been resistant to therapy. But she is slowly starting to acclimate to life at home a little bit more. We do see her having less flashbacks. She's having an easier time in the grocery store. She's connecting with Roger. You know, she's not being a snide and sarcastic, you know, to his problems. She's listening to him more. All the while, in the background, we are getting more and more news about the rise of Cobra and their military victories. At one point in Scarlet's therapy, she breaks down and says, All right, Roger, I'm trying your soda here. Here's this raspberry paoli cola, and I'm going to try it, and if I don't like it, you can have the rest of the case. And she walks into the therapy session making this grand announcement, but unfortunately, it's at that moment that she learns that Roger has committed suicide. And that sends Scarlet into a backslide. She starts drinking more. Her flashbacks start becoming more frequent. And she's trying like crazy to get a hold of Duke, and she's having some difficulty because Duke is getting more and more involved in the war against Cobra. And then we finally come upon a scene where the war with Cobra reaches American shores. And it's illustrated by Night Ravens bombing an aircraft carrier. One of the few times Scarlet is able to get a hold of Duke, Duke mentions that he's starting the G.I. Joe resistance unit with Hawk. Scarlet says that she wants in. But Duke says, no, you're not ready for this yet. Your, your head's still not in where it needs to be. And we see more scenes of Cobra conquering more and more U.S. territory. We see the Cobra commander and the Baroness staring at a map. And there's more Cobra red. About half the, half the United States is Cobra red. Duke finally comes to visit Scarlet in an alley outside the apartment again, and Scarlet has just had a flashback concerning the dumpster. But she's laughing about it, which has Duke a little bit confused. And Scarlet tells Duke, it's been months since my last one. And she says, I've had a breakthrough. And she realizes that her healing is not all of a sudden waking up one day and going, I'm healed, but that she's slowly getting better little by little. So her breakthrough is, this is going to take a while, but I am going to get better. I've worked too hard for me to just curl up in a ball. And she convinces Duke that she's ready to join the fight, because she didn't fight this hard to get better, just to lose everything in this new war. And she also wants to try and keep Duke out of trouble and repay him for his help. The issue ends with Duke and Scarlet clinking their their bottles together, and Duke saying, welcome to G.I. Joe. This issue was easily the best of what's really been a standout series so far. All six of the previous issues were very good, but this one is a standout. The characterization is of Scarlet is deep. It's not we're not seeing her heal superficially. We're really getting into her head and we're seeing someone who's really struggling. Someone who is really vulnerable at this point and that's a definitely a new look for somebody like Scarlet who's always been shown to be tough as nails and the Wonder Woman of G.I. Joe. You know, nothing cracks that hard facade that she's got. But this one, we do see like the cracks in the armor, and I think it makes her a better character overall. We also get a better picture of that bond that she had with Duke that was kind of hinted at after he passed, uh, you know, at the end of issue one, and we saw in issue two, you know, her reaction to it. And it makes his death all the more tragic because you saw how close he was to Scarlet and how much he meant to her. Not only in terms of his friendship, but also his role in her recovery. Duke was her rock, and he seemingly couldn't be hurt like she had been. So with Duke gone, she's really lost that anchor, and she's angry. And that's why we see her taking that anger out on her recruits, and particularly giving Tiger the business, because she wants them to be as good as they can be. She doesn't want them to die like Duke did. 
but she also needs that outlet where she just needs to hit something and poor Tiger's in the way. The research done on the issue of PTSD that Paul did was was simply fantastic, and he, and he treats this issue very thoughtfully and very respectfully. Again, those these, the characters are humanized. They're no longer just the action figure that we saw or the cartoon character we would watch on television or the character in the comics that we would only get be able to have you know two or three pages with because there were so many characters to juggle in G.I. Joe. The smaller cast of this book so far has really allowed Paul Aller to stretch the characterization muscles and get us deeper into the heads of these characters in a very short amount of time. But in ten, it makes them more human, and it makes this series a very compelling read because it's a new way of looking at these characters that I've enjoyed for a very long time, and it's refreshing. Also this week, actually over the past month, IDW has taken to issuing reprints of several classic G.I. Joe stories. This would be about the time that the Snake Eyes movie was supposed to hit. So in anticipation, IDW reissued a Silent Interlude, G.I. Joe 21, in a package that also included the, the 21 and a half uh, three-pack three comic as a reprint together in one double-sized issue. And they also reissued Snake Eyes, The Origin. So we've got reprints of G.I. Joe number 21 and G.I. Joe numbers 26 and 27. These are the basics, the classics that should always be in print for G.I. Joe. Most comic characters that have histories as long as G.I. Joe has, and it's been over 30 years of these particular characters in the comics, which is a very long time at this point, have iconic stories that you can always point to and you can always go to the shelf and pick up and show to people, hey, this is why I like this. And for G.I. Joe, it's these two stories. It's Silent Interlude and it's the origin story. So IDW putting these back in print is a very good thing. I didn't purchase either of them because I have them. I have the original issues and I have them in the trade paperbacks, so I don't need to get them again. But for people who don't have those paperbacks, for people who don't have those original issues, this is a perfect chance for you to get in there. It's also a perfect package for you to give to someone who is thinking, hey, what's G.I. Joe about? You can give them these two books and say, here, this is why I like this so much. I know I heard a lot of comments uh, about people saying, you know, why are they reprinting these again? I've read them a hundred times. You've read them a hundred times. Not everyone has. There's a lot of people out there. If you want to grow the brand, this is the type of thing that needs to be in print all the time. Batman Year One is always in print for Batman. You can always grab that and show this. Here, read this. This is some really cool Batman stories. Craven's Last Hunt is always in print for Spider-Man. You can read that. Give that. This is a really cool Spider-Man story. Read this. G.I. Joe didn't have that. We've got the trade paperbacks, but you really have to order them online. You really have to dig to get some of the, the earlier ones now. The fact that these paperbacks are out now, it's quick, it's easy, and you say, here, these are some of the best G.I. Joe stories. Read these. You'll love them. And you create new fans that way. These are stories that, like I said, they should always be in print for G.I. Joe. Yeah, we've all read them before as longtime Joe fans, but not everybody has. And if you want new fans, which if you want G.I. Joe to continue, you need new fans then this is exactly what IDW should be doing. They should be creating a library of G.I. Joe product that you can always look back and get on. That's it for this week. I want everyone to remember to vote on November 3rd. Do your civic duty. And until then, I will see you at the Comics Rack.